When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Calm Blue Podcast. My name is Dan Rowlandson. I still sound terrible. This is an absolute joke. I've been ill for over a week. I cannot shake this cold. I actually had a question about it because we're doing a Q&A today with I've tried uh, one of those little things that you stick up your nose. And I, I don't like them. They make me feel weird. So I'm just trying to persist with plenty of fluids and whatever, but I'm finding it difficult to even speak uh, at this point. So we'll probably try and keep this a little bit shorter than our, our normal Monday show, which is now a Tuesday, where we try and aim for an hour. This will be slightly less. But as I said, John, we're here to do a Q and A. Uh, first question: How are you? <laughs> Easy question. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm better than you. <laughs> I'm well, thank you. Yeah, uh, another win. I, I seem to say that after every time you ask me how are you, and I just say, "Yep, another win," <laughs> because yeah. Villa keep winning. Um, yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. Now I've got. 10, 12 questions are on the list sent to me that I've picked out from social media. They're in no particular order. So we're going to dive straight in with Stephen with a hypothetical who says, would we be better or worse off if we'd have had Mings, Brandia, Ramsey and Moreno this season? Would we have got any more points or been higher up? I'm not sure we would, but we are we are also missing them. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Like the hypothetical, because it's kind of like the, well, if it wasn't for Steven Gerrard, we wouldn't have had Unai Emery. But would we be fifth if we had those four stronger players available? I'm not so sure, because Dean has been very good, and uh, Bailey's been better this season than than he would have been, whereas Ramsey probably would have been playing more. Uh, Yeah, I I like a hypothetical question. What do you think? I'll be the first to say Luca Dean, I think, has actually been one of our best players this season. Certainly the Mm. most underrated, in my opinion. Um, But I think he's only doing what, Alex Moreno would have done really so I, I think yeah. you can kind of count that one out I think if anything it might have been better because uh, Dean would have had a bit more rest and then Moreno and him could have uh, swapped places in different games I don't think we'd be any better really because you know would we have beaten Newcastle considering we were already losing at half time and the way that game was going I know we didn't deserve to lose 5-1 um, I've said it before it was more like a 7-4 you know we were still conceding chances um, so I don't think we would have got necessarily any more points out of that game and the Liverpool game as well we didn't really show up for and I don't you know it's hard to say whether some players would have made an effect on that game and apart from that we've won every game apart from Wolves I think so um, yeah I think we'd pretty much be in the same place 
to be honest. I don't think that's testament to the uh, recruitment over the summer. Obviously, Torres has come in and he's a very different player to Torres and Mings. So it would have been interesting to see how that how that dynamic would have worked. Would have would Mings be playing most games still, and would Torres be on the bench? I don't know. I, I wouldn't have thought so. Maybe it would be a more you know a three at the back system uh, where mm. Torres, Mings, and Concert would be playing, and we'd, we'd be seeing less of a Leon Bailey potentially because that would then mean given the width. Yeah, uh, potentially. I think. Dean would probably be playing most games anyway, just because you need that fullback rather than Torres um, playing in that back four when we're out of possession. So I think it's a very inter- interesting question, but the answer is a bit boring. I don't think we'd be any better off, really. I don't think we'd be any worse, certainly, because Jacob mm. Ramsey, the top player, and we saw that uh, when he came off of, uh, off the bench against Brighton, I believe, for the second half, and he was excellent. So. Yeah, when those players do come back, well, the two that we mentioned, Moreno and Ramsey, I think we'll be in a obviously in a better position even still. Maybe not better in terms of league position, but having that more squad depth available yeah. will make it an easier job for Emery, for Emery, for Emery to manage uh, the, the squad. Uh, speaking of Emery, actually, it's not one of the questions, but we'll talk about him quickly. Emery Martinez won the Yashin Trophy in a ceremony in France yesterday. Funny that it was booed by the, by the French nationals <laughs> because of the uh, involvement, obviously, in the, the World Cup final. Uh, yeah. But a really nice moment. One for him to win it, of course, to be named the best goalkeeper in the world is some accolade. But to be presented by the trophy by his dad was a, was a really special touch, wasn't it? That was really nice to see. Yeah, it was. And I mean, I'm sure it's like well documented amongst fans as well. But like Martinez has come from a very um, different background as well. His parents have made like huge sacrifices to allow him to become a professional, let alone winning the Yashin Award. Um he promised his dad he'd be the number one at a Premier League club, you know, years and years ago when he was struggling to make ends meet. There was times when uh, Emmy would watch his dad, Alberto, who was who gave him the award uh, last night's ceremony. There was times he'd watch him cry that he couldn't pay bills. Sometimes his father and his mother would go without dinner and they'd pay for um, Emmy and his brother to eat instead. He couldn't afford to buy him goalkeeper gloves, all these things. It's really is a fairy tale story to yeah. to where he is now. When he joined Independiente from moving out uh, at a young age, he'd only see his parents like twice a month because they couldn't afford to pay for the um, petrol to see him because he was about two hours away. So yeah, it really is like a touching story and for him to be where he is today. And obviously he's had so many setbacks in his career anyway, let alone, you know, he didn't just leave Independiente and join Arsenal and then become the number one overnight. It was anything but that, um, you know, League Two loans, six or seven loan moves. It's um, a remarkable story and it's really inspirational. So for him to, you know, wave the Villa flag, I suppose, at these award ceremonies and, um, you know, represent us as uh, as a club, that's, you know, it's remarkable to think, you know, if you said a few years ago Villa were going to have someone winning an award for the best position, uh, sorry, the best player in their position, you know, what? It's it's staggering, it really is, to yeah. you know, where Villa have come from, where Martinez has come from, it's a really um, special story. I mentioned that these questions were in a random order, but I'm going to uh, rejig it a little bit to keep it in some kind of theme. Uh, the players that we mentioned before, Moreno, Mings and Buendia, the injured players. Uh, this one's from Price. He said, out of the three key players that are injured, Moreno, Mings and Buendia, um, I'd argue that Ramsey's a, what, more key than, than those three. So let's include him as well. Out of the four key players that are injured, Moreno, Mings, Buendia and Ramsey, who do you think will have the tougher time regaining their place or do they not regain their spot at all? Oh, really tough question. 
Ramsey oh, comes straight back in for me. You can discount him and like Price. This is an original question. That's probably why he left him out because he comes yeah. straight back in on the left, doesn't he, Ramsey? Yeah, Ramsey's exceptional. Um, and he'll be playing, you know, games even if he doesn't start every week, which I'm sure he yeah. will. But at the start, he might not. But he's going to play. Buendia will have a tough time on his hands. I think, you know, that mm. will obviously be tougher if Zaniolo stays or if Villa can, you know, buy someone instead of Zaniolo in the summer. I don't know. We'll see. We'll wait how that um, plays out. If not, then Buendia has a role there in some capacity, but he's going to be fighting with Bailey, Diaby, with Ramsey. There's a lot of competition there. I think the Mings one's really interesting. As I said earlier, I, I just don't know how that dynamic would have worked. I think it would have been a situation where uh, Torres, Mings and Conce would play as a back three. Conce would move to a right back position. Luca Dean or Alex Moreno would be a left back and you'd have Cash and Moreno and or, you know, sorry, or uh, Luca Dean on the left and it would be like a back five. Oh, not a back five, a back three and then those two playing as uh, wing backs as we've seen. I think that that's how it would work and I think that would be good. But if it isn't that and, um, I don't know, Emery wants to have a forward player instead of another centre-back, then who would drop out? Would it be Torres or would it be Mings? Because I don't think it would be Konza. Um, yeah. You know, especially the season he's having, if he hasn't, if he continues to have an excellent season, Mings doesn't come in for Konza, I don't think. Especially if they're two left-footed centre-halves, Torres and Mings. And Torres is obviously very different to Mings as well. So that, I think, is a really interesting dynamic. But it is um, competition for places and it's different ways to beat different opponents. So, as I say, I think that um, three-centre-back option would probably be the most obvious. So, it's a long answer, but I'd say probably Buendia has the hardest time coming back into the team. We'll move away from on-pitch matters for a second to speak about the North Stand for the, what feels like the millionth time. From Holly, when we develop the North Stand, where do all the season ticket holders go? And when is it actually happening? These are two questions that we've had multiple times and I feel like we still don't really know the answer. Yeah, unfortunately, we only have the answer for one of those questions. Um, the North Stand will be knocked down after the Foo Fighters gig this summer. So this will be the last season of the North Sand and they're going to be building it. You know, it's going to be a complete um, knockdown. It's not being built, you know, in front of the, or behind the stand or anything like that. So Villa will be playing in front of an empty stand, presumably, yeah. you know, yeah. opposite the Holt. Um, and it's going to take about two years for completion. It needs to be finished in that time period for the Euros. Because um, obviously Villa can't you know, promise a stand and not have it built. It needs to be there. So, yeah, two seasons it will be built within and it's going to be knocked down in the summer. In terms of season ticket holders, where they're going to be relocated, I don't think that's being communicated by the club yet. That's something that we'll try and chase up, but I, it's going to have to come from the club first, that sort of information. That's obviously pretty crucial. I mean, I suppose the most obvious thing would just be to give North Stand season ticket holders a window to relocate within the stadium somewhere. I don't know. That is most obvious to me. I don't think you can just put them in one, you know, put those fans in one section of the stadium because then there will be a section of season ticket support, uh, season, season ticket holders, sorry, in that area as well. So it's, hmm. to me, I think you just, I think it's, you know, that would be most uh, obvious idea just to relocate somewhere for <clears throat> that season, then maybe the next season as well. But yeah, we're waiting for the club to kind of clarify that. They should do that. I don't know when, but hopefully relatively soon because that's quite a big thing isn't it do we know what the actual capacity is of the north stand at the moment is it like ten thousand ish less than yes I, I don't know exactly but that would probably be around that figure i know they want to take it you know more to um sorry add seven thousand three hundred seats uh obviously to to fill the uh, gaps between trinity and 
Uh, Doug Ellis, but I don't know exactly how many seats are in the north. Mm. That doesn't. I mean, the actual figure doesn't really matter. The thing I'm thinking of as a, as a knock-on effect to the, the previous question is when Villa are playing those two seasons with an empty stand. It's a reduced capacity, isn't it? Those, those fans just don't get to, to stand in the space. You know, there's yeah. X thousand <laughs> of people that won't, that, won't, that won't be there. So yeah. say, let's just say it's 10,000 for argument's sake of this podcast. Villa will be playing in front of a 32,000 capacity rather than 42,000 for two years. The North Stand is part of the atmosphere, isn't it? They're, they're next to the, the away fans. They help build the atmosphere. Will that have any knock-on impact that that won't be there. I mean, it's a shame that we won't have 42,000 for the Champions League nights, but... (laughs) (laughs) Very good. What can you do? Um, No, genuinely, I think it is a bit of a shame that for two years, we are not probably going to have that North stand. Uh, I don't know when exactly it's going to be built by, but, you know, you're looking at pretty much, you know, both full seasons. Um, Because these are such good times and stuff, you almost want it just to everything to be in place, everything perfect and Mm. in a weird way. Obviously, that isn't going to be the case when one stand isn't there. So um, it will look strange for at least the first season. The second season, I don't know if the stand will be built and then they're just adding seats and doing different work. And like the Fulham stand, which is taking ages to be built, that was built for you know a few seasons and they took a long time to move in. Villa won't take that long to move into the stand because they can't because of the Euros. It's going to be built uh, within those two seasons. But yeah, I just don't know how exactly it's going to look and I think feel as well because it is weird mm. just looking at an empty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a building site is what it'll be for yeah. the majority of those two seasons until like, the final stages. And yeah, it will impact atmosphere as well and hopefully not to the detriment of, of on-pitch matters, which we'll get back to now with the rest of the questions. Um, from Dr. AVFC, who can stop Douglas Louise winning player of the season again? <laughs> That's a great oh, question, isn't it? I, you know, is that good? I took that as a Premier League. Um, <laughs> Premier League one, yeah. Until he said again, <sighs> concert. I maybe? can only think of one. Uh, yeah, either concert or Watkins. If, if yeah. Watkins gets 20 Premier League goals, you could make an argument for him. Yeah. But Douglas Suiz is so key, so crucial to the way we play that it feels mm. like he's only getting better. And if he won it last year, how could he not win it this year? Yeah, I think we've given the two answers there. I think Watkins, if he gets about 20 goals, because that will just get a lot of votes um and yeah concert because i think he's excellent Pau torres won't probably win player of the season but he'll be one of those that will look back on and think why were we ever like um you know doubting him sort of thing and yeah we were right to criticize him at the start but i think we all knew that it'd improve and get better and mm. kind of acclimatize and i think he's doing that now uh much better than what he was so yeah i think i have a concert for watkins but louise will be who's your player of the season at the moment should we say that because it is 10 games that is a that is a relatively good sample size I'd say I'd probably, go, I'd probably say cunts are just, uh, there isn't much in it yeah. between those two. Yeah, no, that's fair. Here's a more tongue-in-cheek one, I think, from Simon, who says, is fifth a new 11th? Does feel like that a little bit, doesn't it, that we're kind of stuck yeah, yeah, in yeah. fifth now, like we were with 11th last year? Yeah, I thought that, actually. Um, over the weekend, I was, I don't know what I was listening to. I think it was a different podcast or something like that. I, I can't remember. But, um, they said, you know, Villa and Villa won again, and we're still in fifth again. <laughs> like we're 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 keeping on the coattails of um, Tottenham. <laughs> we're still in fifth, but yeah, I'd much obviously rather be doing this than Maybe trying to it. trying to get over Chelsea. And I don't know why we were even worrying about that. Chelsea have won like once, I think, in the whole year, which <laughs> was against Luton. So um, yeah, it's crazy times that we're living in in terms of Villa. Uh, but I do want to do a piece about the coefficient and fifth place and stuff like that because 
if mm. we're saying, oh, we're still in fifth. If that if that is going to get Champions League, then yeah, great. I'd love to stay in yeah. fifth. Um, it is likely uh, that the Premier League clubs would, sorry, that the Premier League would get the fifth place. But at the moment, they don't. I think it's Germany, I think. It was Turkey it. at one point. Yeah, it's kind of changing every now and again. And we need English clubs to be doing well in that competition, which is something that I'm not too comfortable with. But if It's you know, all European competitions, isn't it? It's not just the Champions League. Yeah, yeah. So if, if yeah, Villa obviously okay. do well in the Conference League, that will do go a long way to making fifth yeah. become the, champ, the Champions League. Yeah. So imagine that. Villa win the Conference League is great in itself and they finish fifth yeah. because they got in the Conference League final. It makes no, I mean, the Champions League. That'd be good, yeah, wouldn't that, it? That, that Conference League final would have massive waiting if that's the case. To win, <laughs> yeah. win, win a trophy, trying to get into the Europa League. Oh, sorry, if we're in fifth, the Champions League. Oh, yeah, huge pressure on that. Yeah, but, um, yeah. yeah we'll, we'll find that out about the coefficient and what's going to happen and stuff like that because it's a bit confusing. Villafano7 says, my question is, what's stopping us from finishing top five and getting into the Champions League? Now, the easy answer to that is about six other teams. I think we can do it. I genuinely think we can finish in the top five. The, the thing that will stop us is European football. Um, I know it's a very mm. boring answer, but, and I've said this for a while, I don't care what other teams are doing. Like, I really, I, Emery always says, oh, the seven contenders, we're not one of them. Uh, and yes, that's true because those seven teams at the start of the season would have been, you know, in the betting odds as most likely to finish in the top seven. So that's what he's, you know, kind of getting at. But, Villa are better than Man United, they're better than Chelsea, they're better than um, other teams at the moment. I know they lost to Newcastle, but what are we, five points ahead of them, I think? Yeah. And I think we probably had a harder set of fixtures. Um, Three so points were from us as well. Yeah, exactly. We have to play them at home. So it's European football for me that's going to stop us because I think if the league season, you know, if we had no other commitments like Tottenham, for example, I think that we could definitely get it. But I just keep saying that if we get to a quarter final or a semi final in March, that sort of time of the season, you know, what, what are we going to prioritize? Because I don't think we can, you know, at that point when everyone's played so many games already in the campaign, can we field that starting 11 on a Sunday to Thursday every every week mm. for about four or five weeks? I, I'm not sure if we can. It's going to be a lot of pressure as well. We saw last season, um, we lost at Wolves, lost at United. I don't think that was pressure because then we, you know, got back in the saddle and managed to get over the line to get seventh. But we just don't know how this team's going to react. I don't think. I think at the moment we're doing so well, but there will come a time, as I said in the previous podcast, where Ollie Watkins keeps hitting the bar again, and he gets really unlucky not scoring. Uh, we'll get an injury. We'll get a red card in a game. You know, all these things at the moment it's going so well. Um, Villa won't win every game four one or three one five one that sort of thing. There will be a point in the campaign where we um, struggle to score things like that. So let's just see how we react. And I think Emery's absolutely right not to kind of get uh, dragged into the kind of talk of can Villa get top four, top five, whatever it may be. He was, say he was even asked the other week about title charge, stuff like that. So it's it's quite mental. We're 10 games in and yeah, there's a long way to go still. I just think the European campaign, when it gets into the really you know busy part of the season next year, that's when we'll you know, know if Villa can do it or not, I think. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. The only thing I would counter that with is that, you know, when you say things that could happen, like, you know, we are going on a, a streak of not scoring or a silly red card or penalty or whatever goes your way and you lose a game that you thought you might win. Mm-hmm. Those things will happen to the sides around us over the course of the season as well. What's, what yeah. I think is interesting is that the top seven, roughly, that are going for it this season is the same that we're going for it last season. So they've mm-hmm. all got to compete with the 
holes of European football as well. Brighton, West Ham, Newcastle, obviously the traditional guys of Man United, Man City, they're kind of a level above anyway. But there isn't anybody kind of, unless I'm mistaken, somebody apart from Spurs, I suppose, that are up around that top seven, top eight, who are like fresh from last season. So it's like a Brentford yeah. came out of nowhere and they, they mounted a charge for the top yeah. six. You'd be looking at them thinking, well, they haven't got to contend with European football. And all the others, West Ham, Newcastle, Brighton, I think I think Villa can finish ahead of those because we've got the okay. same challenges that they do anyway. Yeah, yeah. But just in terms of the top five, like I think we'll probably will mm. finish top seven this season because of what you just said there, Dan. I think we're dealing with European football better than Brighton. West Ham aren't as good as Villa. Um, I'm sure we'll finish above them again. And you're looking at the top four as it is at the moment. That's going to be very hard to... Um, sort of dislodge Liverpool, Tottenham, City and Arsenal. You know, that's if Villa are to do that, then fair play. But then you've got United and Newcastle who are just behind them as well. And you don't know how they're going to react to being knocked out in the Champions League. I presume Newcastle won't go too far. United might not even get out of the group. <laughs> so I think those two teams are the ones that are going to, if Villa aren't going to make it into the top five, one of those teams will finish above them. So mm. I think that's the competition there. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think Villa will finish above West Ham, Chelsea, Brighton, those teams. Below that, talking about like Brentford. Not what I'm thinking Wolves, about, so, yeah. No, exactly. So Villa, I mean, it's quite remarkable really how we're in, we're in that bracket now. We're not even thinking about, you know, mm. just finishing the top half or stuff like that. I, at the start of the season, I said I'd take a conference league win and top, top half of the table just because I thought some teams would start to click into gear again, like a Chelsea. Uh, mm. Brighton would go against stuff like that. But at the moment, they're showing no signs of it and Villa to be fair to them, are doing the opposite. They're showing that they can go to another level. I think European football will probably finish in the top seven this season, judged on the start we've had. But top five, that won't be decided, obviously, until the end. But I don't think we can really have a you know a calculated look at it until March or mm. April, because there's still so many games to play then. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair assessment. Uh, there's two here that are kind of of the same nature, but I will separate them. Firstly from Julie, who says, is there such thing as a disappointing win? This is after some fans have expressed their disappointment after allegedly not putting Luton Town to the sword. And we spoke about this on the post-match show that people kind of going, oh, we should be beating them 6-0 or whatever. And if we didn't, that's disappointing. Is there such thing as a disappointing (laughs) win? No, I don't think there is, is there? (laughs) No, that's bizarre to me. I haven't heard that, to be fair. That's quite remarkable, really. Um, No, that's strange. I'm sorry, I can't get behind that. I mean, a disappointing win would be Villa beating Southampton 1-0 when we had Steven Gerrard. And it was, what the hell was that? There was no plan. There was no anything. That was mm. the first time I've ever experienced that sort of feeling, but not when yeah, we Yeah, that's a better description of it. Yeah. yeah it you, was, you kind of think, well, we've won, but at what cost? Like, yeah, we're still stuck no, with a manager that doesn't know what he's doing, etc. Yeah. Yeah, and there's no sign of us improving on that win and Southampton were poor. That was a, you know, a gloomy win as such, but not when you've won your 12th game in a row we've we've had to score for Luton uh, to kind of you know keep the game entertaining sort of thing no there's no um, I don't I did not have that feeling at all as a follow-up to that I think this is a, an interesting one from Rob he says do you think that when you and others like yourself John were scoring player performances before Unai Emery came do you think you were more generous than you are now has your perception of what an average performance is increased now you realize what the players are capable of I don't know. I'll be honest. I don't think it has. I would say not. I mean, what I would say is that I think some players have probably surprised a lot of Villa fans. You know, I'm thinking of someone. Um, I don't know. I don't really want to like name names specifically, but I think we all know that Douglas Louise was an excellent player and that Watkins could score goals. But I think some fans are maybe surprised that you know Emery has only signed a few players to add to the starting eleven, and the rest of it 
the same players who were struggling. Uh, yes, under a manager who clearly wasn't cut out for the Premier League, but that it just goes to show what can happen when an elite manager kind of gets his hands on a team and really believes in them. Something that I don't think Gerard did, particularly when he asked for you know so many new signings and he wanted a new eleven, really, didn't he? But Emery came yeah. in straight away, and this is what we said when we were talking about which manager should Villa you know a point my answer was a manager who believes in the players that he's got and can improve them it's exactly what Emery's done so I don't think my ratings has necessarily you know lined out just because we're winning every game now I'm still going to give concert nines and eights and stuff like that even when you know he's improved and he'll probably continue to do so so I, I wouldn't say that to answer the question, I don't think so, but um, I understand the point because some players now, like for example, if Douglas, Douglas Louise dips below his level now, you know, you'd be giving him like a seven or something when that would probably be a nine mm. <laughs> last year. Yeah, so, yeah. but that, I I don't know. I think that's just um, you know testament to how well the players have taken on board what Emery um, has asked of them. Matty Cash in the mix zone on uh, Sunday after the win over Luton, he said that. Emery, once they come in and they do their debriefs, the post-match debriefs and analysis in the you know the morning after in the kind of like cinema room, uh, he said that usually makes victories basically seem like defeats. That's how it feels because he's so um, detailed and you know he goes, he's so intense with the performances. Like you, you beat Luton three one, you barely get out of first gear, you give them the goal, um, pretty much, and no doubt for two hours he's going to be going on about all different tactics and things like that which is um, interesting so there is such thing as a, a disappointing win if you're in Iron <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly that yeah that yeah. that should have been the segue into uh, the Matty Cash coach there too uh, yeah Emery every defeat for Emery is disappointing <laughs> uh, there's a couple more questions on Emery but we'll save those till the end um, one is a hypothetical which I love and one is a uh, they're both hypothetical to be fair uh, Hidden Villain says I don't know where they're really going with this so maybe you can explain why the question even exist in the first place it says if you had the choice would you rather play the fixtures we have next as in Forest and Fulham or would you swap them and have Man City and Arsenal as the next two yes yeah, so as in the next five fixtures would you have Arsenal and City first and then play yeah. for, you know a harder fixture than the easy fixture I presume that's because of the form we're in I think you play the easy ones <laughs> <laughs> keep the winning streak going keep confidence high and be prepared for those Arsenal and Man City games by being seven unbeaten or whatever it would be. Yeah. I understand that, I suppose, if you play those hard against first and you beat them, then you've kind of uh, got ahead of yourselves almost. But if you don't and you lose them both, maybe then you'd struggle against those easy games as well. I'll put something out. I don't actually think in any order... How do I put this? If Villa played... Oh, this might sound stupid, but I don't think there'd be a huge difference if Villa played you know, all their fixtures in like league correspondence, like, I don't know, like first to 20th. If they played Man City, then Arsenal, then Tottenham, then, you know, whoever else, then Liverpool, that sort of thing. Because Emery takes so much attention to detail in each game and, you know, prepares for them in in isolation. I don't think, I think if you take the, the points Villa would get at the end of the season to the points they would have if they played the hardest teams and the easiest teams, that sort of thing, which would then take into account like uh, confidence and form and stuff like that. I don't actually think our points would be so different. Mm. Whereas I think for other clubs, it would be vastly different. That doesn't really answer the question, but I think it's that sort of thing with Emery. I don't think he cares when he plays to certain teams. Um, mm. And I don't actually think it would matter necessarily. I think the question probably points to, you know, Villa on such good form at the moment. What if they don't beat Forest and then maybe draw to Fulham, you know, have one of those days, that sort of thing. Then all of a sudden um, you haven't won in two matches, then you go into City and Arsenal. But I think, to be honest, any way that you look at 
those games against Arsenal and City, I think the pressure's on those teams to beat us. And that is not something that those you know players will want. Um, they don't want to come to Villa Park and... I know we don't. Do we play both? We play both games at home, don't we? That's quite something for for Villa fans to look forward to. You know, hopefully we beat Fulham. That then matches the record. Then you go into that Man City game, want to break the record, which would be remarkable. Um, and obviously, if we don't manage to do it, then you're going to go into that Arsenal game wanting to win, just to get back to winning ways, because it will feel weird if we don't win a game, yeah. even though it's Man City. So I'm looking forward to those two games. And obviously, we have Forest and Fulham before games which um, Villa will hope to win obviously there's Tottenham in between that as well which is going to be a really good you know yardstick mm-hmm. of where we are and Bournemouth I think in that run as well so the next what's that five games coming up six, maybe six, six. Um, yes yeah, six the next six I think that will give us a really good indication of where we are in terms of playing the top teams as well we, we've played a few of them and we've obviously lost to Newcastle we've lost to Liverpool both away games uh, we played a couple of good teams at home but you know your Tottenham's, Man City, Arsenal; those are the, we know that they're going to be up up the um, up at the top of the table. I think at the end of the season. I feel like we keep saying that though. Like, oh, let's see where we are in four games. Let's see where we are in six. That'll be a real yardstick. And to me, that's yeah. a positive because you kind of yeah, never yeah, yeah. take chance to take stock of what you've already achieved. You know, a month ago we'd have said, "Well, let's just get through the next month." You've got Brighton at home, very difficult. West Ham at home, yeah, yeah. difficult. Tricky European games in there as well. We beat Mostar, beat Brighton, beat West Ham, beat Alkmaar, beat Luton, and you go. Oh, well, let's see where the next six games are. So like, now we're good now. Like that's the that's the yardstick of where Villa have come. We can now we look are. forward to those games to Fulham and Forest yeah, yeah. and think, well, they're beatable. Let's keep that record going. Man City and Arsenal at home. There's nothing to fear here. Like Villa are very good and, and they should be looking at us on that fixture list and think, Oh, that's difficult for us. Like we can't slip up in the title race. Going to Villa Park's difficult. So that's exactly where I, where I want us to be. So bring them on, is what I say. Yeah, I I, I do agree, Dan. It just um there's every chance that Villa could lose those games and, you know, they're excellent teams in their own right. And if you do lose those three, then suddenly I think you get people questioning, oh, will, will we get Europe and stuff like that? So I don't want to kind of put a downer on it at all. Like, But those games, are, um, that that's really what we're looking at now. And that, again, it's testament of how well we've done that we can kind of put aside Brighton at home and think, well, we should be beating that team now. We've proved it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now if we want to get to the next level and qualify in the top four and the top five, home games against the teams in the top four those are games that you need to be competitive in as well so hopefully we will be and if they are then what are you 16 games into the season still a long way to go but then you've got the confidence of look what we've just done in the last 16 games if we do that again there's no reason why we can't get top four and top five this one's from john who says uh, what positions need to be strengthened for villa to be a consistent top four side into the future for me a top class young wing back to compete with matty cash Stronger bench options, including another quick striker. And we need to bring through Wilson from the academy. He looks like he'll be a star. I feel like we answer this question a lot about what Villa need into the future and backup goalkeeper, options at right back are the, the obvious answers. Nothing's changed. I think we haven't had a transfer window since the last time we were asked this question. Just on the Wilson thing, though, I suppose he's kind of the, the next one that people are looking to from the academy to be somebody that breaks through. Would that be fair, do you think? Yeah, he's scoring a hatful of goals this season. Yeah. He's a goal scorer. I've watched him a few times. Um, I watched him score a hat-trick against Brentford. Uh, FA Youth Cup last season. I missed the Argentina-Holland game in the World Cup for that, which was obviously a really good game. Yeah, it was 5-0 to Villa against Brentford and Wilson scored a hat-trick. He, one of the goals he scored, it was like a really tight angle and he just lobs the keeper. It was like Drogba against 
uh, Hull. I don't know if you remember that goal. It was like 2009. It was similar to that. He turns 18 next month and Villa want to tie him down to a new contract. So, uh, yeah, really promising talent. And he was called up to the under-21s for Scotland last month. Or was it the month before? I think it was last month. So, yeah, really, um, really good player. He's a poacher. He's a goal scorer. So, um, yeah, player that joined Villa after he left Rangers uh, two years ago now, I believe. Or was it last year? So, I'm getting my dates mixed up, but it was July 2022 he joined Villa. So last year. And in terms of the question about players that Villa need to, where Villa needs to strengthen, I think <laughs> wherever Emery wants to strengthen. Yeah. Last January, we didn't think that a left-back would have transformed Villa as the way that Alex Moreno did. Um, and that's the first player he bought for £13 million, And he's now 30, I think, which you know is fine. But it's not the position or player that you would have thought Villa would have gone after, but Emery did. Um, so I, I don't want to sound stupid in say something that he doesn't um, that he won't want to do, but I think yeah, a right back would probably make sense because Villa are light in that area. I think defensive midfield as well. I think don't think Dendonka has a future mm. in Villa. If I'm being totally honest, we need someone to back up Kamara because if he's injured for any period of time, which last season he was, I know there were impact injuries, but again, that's something that can happen this season. If he misses five or six games. That's that's an issue because you need someone to hold the fort that not many players in our team can do that. I don't think Tielemans is a very different player to Kamara, so I think a defensive defensive minded midfielder as well is something that is needed quite um, quite uh, probably in January to be honest. Hmm. What about Timmy Rabunam? Tim, I think is a very good player, and I don't know if Emery trusts him yet to play in the Premier League. So we'll see what happens in January. I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, went out on loan again in the Championship and. You know what's going to happen in the summer. I don't know because obviously we've seen Villa make money off uh, youth mm. player sales and with buybacks. That was their strategy to kind of balance FFP rather than selling a first team player for 50, 60 million. So yeah, we'll see what happens in the summer with Tim. But I think he needs to be playing football now because he had a, a relatively good season at QPR last term and he hasn't played this season. So he needs to um, needs to play football. I think after January. Whether it's the legendary Lionesses, grassroots or expert analysis of the women's leagues, Women's Football News has it all covered. A brand new monthly magazine packed with news, interviews and expert opinion. Don't miss Women's Football News. Pick up a copy today from participating retailers. Women's Football is here to stay and so are we. Two final questions to end this uh, shorter show. Uh, let's end. Uh, let's go with Rich. Rich says a lot of comparisons being made to great Villa teams of the past. Which player or players from past great Villa teams do you think would fit in well to the current side and Emery system? I think Emery system. Obviously, it's we'll, we will sign players in the future that fit into Emery system, and we'll kind of see it after the fact. If that makes sense, like Diaby has come in to play that specific role. You mentioned Moreno coming in and like transforming yeah. the way we play. So you might we might sign somebody and think, oh, I'm not quite sure, and then Emery will have a, a plan for that player. So I could pluck out and say, oh, Paul Merson would be great. But would Emery work him into this style? Like, would that actually work? Like, his system is like such an actual thing. I don't yeah. think it's as simple as just going, "Oh, this is player is good. I'll just drop him in and it'll work." But that's a cop out answer. So I'll try and think of somebody. Um, I don't know. We've had, obviously had some great players in 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 years gone by. We talked about like what we're lacking, but that doesn't make it any easier for me yeah, to pick somebody. No, I hate these questions too because we're a certain age and. Yeah, don't want to, that's also true. Um, what I would say just on that is that Emery has his system, but he also um, 
accommodates players and will adapt to that, if that makes sense. Like, we no one expects him really to be playing uh, three centre backs, you know, over the pre season and mm, into now. Yeah. When it first came, we all thought, oh, it's a 4 3 1 because that's what Aaron Danks did, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> and yes, he can play that way as he did with Seville. Um, but that isn't the way that he's playing with Villa. So it's what does he have and how does he put that on the pitch to get the best performance rather than a, you know, a Steven Gerrard, you know, 4 3 3 like dead set on that with two like tens moving inside well that's not going to work for these players so don't do it that's what um you know the opposite of emery so uh yeah continue dan which is the player that you <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm going to be very different for a change and like you said we're we are of a certain age you're certainly younger than me though uh, but our success of villa is the o'neill era and the Dean smith <laughs> championship season so Nigel I, don't, <laughs> I don't want to be so obvious to just be like oh ben Teki was good let's put him in so i'm going to be something do something I'm totally different i never do and pick somebody i've never seen play but i've heard great things about and just say Brian Little, because he probably doesn't get any kind of representation when we're talking about like best 11s and stuff for some yeah, reason. Yeah. And yeah. I've never seen him play, so I can't say with anything, okay, oh, he's the best the best player I've ever seen at Villa. But to have some kind of different representation, let's just stick Brian Little into you know, Emery's side and pray that that works. Who does he replace? Oh, don't ask me that. <laughs> he's one of our best ever players, uh, John, so anybody. Yeah, 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 oh, absolutely. <laughs> Are you asking me for an answer? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you, could go, you forced me to you, answer, so you've got to answer as well. You could go, I'll take Thomas Sorensen as backup. <laughs> oh, what a rogue shout. <laughs> I don't know. There's there's lots of Aston Villa legends that... Um, that would walk into this team, I think, to be honest with you. Uh, no disrespect to the players that we have, but it, I think it's hard. Again, football's changed a lot as well. So, you know, tactics 10 years ago, five years ago even, are so different to what they are now. So it's very interesting to see like how, how would Brian Little um, play and how would he feature in this team? I think that's really interesting, but I can't pick out a player and say, oh yeah, he would play in this role and this would this is how Emery would um, use him because I haven't watched many players pre-Martin O'Neill in the comments get, get your comments in yeah. <laughs> I think that's the because uh, it is interesting um, especially because Villa were good you know let's be honest a long time ago really um, so again so much has changed since then it's, uh, it makes it a much more interesting kind of conversation that we mm. can't really expand on unfortunately to the final question then and again for me I'll consider this a hypothetical although that is not how the question was phrased um, from Justin do you have any concerns with the so-called big clubs eyeing up Unai Emery? Personally, I can't see him leaving for a job in England, but Real Madrid and Barcelona, maybe. Now, so I consider this hypothetical because I don't think, specifically the England club point, I don't buy at all. There was no. a clip on Talks what doing the rounds the other day of Andy Goldstein saying that if it was up to him, he'd pluck him into, take him to Man United to replace Ten Hag. So, yeah, good luck with that, mate. That's absolutely never going to happen. I just don't see that happening. Like, for Emery to to work, he has to have everything in place for him and a club like Villa can do that. I don't think a Man United, Chelsea can do that. Liverpool and Arsenal probably could, to be fair, with what we've seen with Wenger and Klopp uh, in terms of like giving them what they need and having that support system. Yeah. Madrid and Barca are the obvious easy answers because they're two of the biggest clubs in the world, obviously in Spain where Emery's from. And if Real Madrid come calling, most managers say yes to that, don't they? The flip side to that would be that if Emery's offered the Real Madrid job, he's done a very, very good job with Aston Villa and probably won something to have been offered that job in the first place. So we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But as of right now, I don't see Emery leaving to anybody, specifically in England anyway. 
No, no, in terms of the Spanish teams, yeah, dis- discount the English teams. That's that's the end of that uh, conversation. And then in terms of the Spanish teams, he has nothing to prove to them. They know how good Emery is. Um, the only place in, in, in Europe that he had to kind of win people over was in England because for whatever reason, he just wasn't mm. respected um, to the level that he is in Spain and on the continent because they think of him as one of the best coaches in Europe, which he is. Uh, the titles that he won with Severe as well, you know, documents that. And what he did with Valencia as well, he was, he put that uh, Valencia team as quite clearly the third best team behind Barcelona and uh, Real Madrid. And when yeah. was that? Like more than 10 years ago. So in that time period, if Madrid or Barcelona wanted a manager, I'm sure they would have at some point looked at Emery uh, and he hasn't gone there. And as far as I'm aware, I don't think there was ever discussions about him going there as well so I think if he does a good job at Villa firstly that will be over the course of years so you know a manager's cycle is you know you know, if you do a good job at a club what are you you're there for about five years or something something like that I know Guardiola yeah. kind of will probably oh has gone over that but that's because he's you know Man City can't get a better manager than him than him and he has unlimited funds there that sort of thing uh, but for any other club about five years is probably about the right time to kind of look at a project. If it's more than that, then great. This is his project. This is his thing. This is his life for the next, you know, so many years. And there isn't, as I said before, there isn't a club that can give him or could promise him the amount of power that he has at Villa. Everything that he's built in his career in terms of successful teams, you know, clubs that are punching, you know, upwards, that's what he's got now at Villa. And that's where he's had his, his success previously. So I just think all the experiences that he's had, and all the experiences that Villa have had as well in their history. It's, I've said it before, it's a perfect marriage. This is going to be a very successful tenure, I've no doubt about it. And it's not something that Emery's going to wake up one morning and think, oh, you know what, I'm going to head back to this place um, or go here because I don't have it at Villa. That just won't be the case. He, he has everything yeah. he needs at Villa. He's got close friends literally working with him, people that he trusts, not yes-men either, people who give him... You know, valid opinions. Monchi's worked with him for it severe in his uh, most successful reign as a manager. Damian Vidigani's with him as well, who's excellent at what he does in football operations. Every, everything is there. He's brought in his own scouts. He's got a network. This isn't, you know, all of these different things that he's done in the last year aren't setting him up for another year. They're setting him up for years and years in advance. And hopefully that is going to be the case that he manages to win trophies in his tenure and you know, qualify for the Champions League, do everything that he wants to do. Those weren't false promises when he first joined the club, when he outlined his dreams and he keeps saying them now. That's because he knows he's going to be here for years to do that. Emery isn't foolish enough to come into uh, his first press conference and say those things and then think, actually, a couple of years down the line, I might just leave because I don't fancy it anymore. He came into the job knowing he'd be uh, the Villa manager for a long time so he can achieve what he wants to achieve. Because if he said those things and he walks away, well, then he's failed. And that's not something that Emery is going to deal with. (laughs) He wants to succeed and he will not deal with failure well. So, yeah, it's only positive for Villa and I see absolutely no reason why anyone should worry about about that kind of conversation in the background. And that's a a great way to end this q and I've really enjoyed this one, John. Some really good thought-provoking questions and this is why we like doing a QA and a every so often because it brings up... Got a shout-out before we go. Okay, go on, shout out quickly. Rich from Worcester. <laughs> Thanks for the support. I, I saw Rich in uh, in New Street, actually, going to the game okay. against Luton. He collared me. So, uh, yeah, thanks, Rich, for the support. 
thank you lovely stuff uh Worcester nearby me as well uh went for a day out in Worcester not long ago very very lovely place is it a city <laughs> not sure anyway no. thank you very much for, uh, for watching <laughs> i was gonna say it is worcester city isn't it i think yeah of course <laughs> uh, anyway thank you very much for watching this q a on the current blue youtube channel if you're listening on spotify or whatever podcast platform you use uh, give us a five star review uh john thank you very much for joining me on your day off very much appreciated it's halloween today as this goes out it's a spooky season should have dressed up shouldn't we john and done uh, <laughs> done fancy dress for the podcast um but thank you very much for watching this one there's no midweek game for Villa this week so our next show will be the inside body more preview show for forest forest away yeah forest away of course uh which will be coming up later this week uh, so thank you very much for watching this one and we'll see you all again very very soon up the villa